told you last week we would continue to share just a, a few drops of what is happening or what's coming up this fall. And uh, so you can tune into last week's message or ask me later. But this week I wanted to share with you uh, David King, who just read scripture uh, a few weeks ago, came and said, hey, how, how can we uh, get our community more in an intersection of what we're doing here? And so we're working out uh, in, in and out of and through his vocation. He's a counselor, social worker by, by vocation. Uh, we're working to create an, an opportunity for people just to ask questions when it comes to issues about depression, uh, anxiety, fear, some of the things we're actually going to talk about today a little bit, and uh, offering it to the, through our schools that we're already involved in. And so once a month, right now, is what we're looking at, where David will just have an open forum, not, not necessarily a, a teaching, heavy teaching, but an open forum for parents and others to kind of come and, and intersect on topics that are hot right now, at least for a lot of people. And so what a, what a wonderful thing. In addition to that, uh, David has a passion uh, for seeing the truth proclaimed and making sure the truth, we're seeking the truth. So uh, more of a content-driven type of course yet to be created, but will be soon, uh, is based off a book called Saving Truth uh, by uh, Dr. Murray. And so if you're familiar with that name or if you're not familiar, he is a U of M grad. Uh, if you didn't know that, he has a for those of you who swing to the blue side, sorry. <laughs> but uh, I'm excited about it uh, because one of the things that, is, uh, that seems to be in our conversations, and I'm sure that you have found to be true too, is truth. What is truth and where is find it? That old, that question that just uh, Pontius Pilate, right, ask, you know, what, you know, what is truth is just lingering over the atmosphere, not only in our culture, but this is the fear, this is the desire, but it's also lingering over and inside the church. And so we want to be able to pursue that with some clarity about some, around some issues. So I'm grateful for uh, David reading today, but then also allowing us to kind of highlight a couple of things that are coming up and we're excited about. So uh, look for those in the coming days as we uh, put those together. Well, this morning, the message we've been traveling through Matthew is take courage. I, I want to share with you a phrase that I, that I heard, and I don't know who to attribute it to, really. It's where fear runs the show, love is suppressed. Well, as many of you know, if you looked up on our big wall, you'll know that it says, love God, love all people, follow Jesus together. But if we're filled with fear... Love be becomes diminished, if non-existent almost, doesn't it, in our lives? And we'll get to the reason of that, the truth behind that statement in a few moments. But this story, this story is vastly familiar. Oh, look, let me back up. Some of you, again, some of you have heard uh, tidbits, uh, but we've been at camp, Somerset Beach Campground this weekend, a couple of baptisms, uh, some great family fun with some, a lot of littles out there. Let me tell you, a lot of littles. And those of us who uh, uh, we, get to, we get to share our lap with some littles and, and grow into what it, become, what it is going to become to be grandparents, 
It's kind of a cool thing, uh, all that stuff. It's been a, a great time, a great community time. So that's where some of our people are at, if you're wondering and you come in and maybe have uh, blanked on that. All right, so let me get back to it. Well, this is one of those well-trod passages where it's almost an all-skate opportunity, right? I mean, this passage of scripture that David read to us, I'm not sure where you grew up, but in my town, while I was in elementary school, the rink was the place to be. I mean, it was the place. Uh, You know, I had roller skates, and they were black with these yellow chevron, uh, almost chevron kind of, uh, you know, side decorative things on them. And they were inside of a case, right? Uh, Some of you are blanking. You don't even know. I mean, did you live in the 70s? All right, okay, I just kind of gave you an idea how old I am. All right, anyway, we would carry them, and my mom would drop us off. This was like freedom. This was an aspect of freedom that we didn't have other places, right? My mom would drop us off, and we would hang out, right? I mean, here you're in elementary. You get to hang out, not at the mall. Sorry, I didn't grow up in a big city. But we got to hang out at the roller rink, and then we would just skate until our heart's content. I mean, the, aut- the autonomy was just thrilling. It's not palatable here this morning, though. I can tell. But it was then. There was an all-girl skate. There usually was an all-boys skate. There were couples skate. Yep. Yep, our hearts would just kind of pitter-patter and kind of go, okay, who are we going to ask? Or are we going to ask anybody? Those type of things, right? Shoot the duck. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Yep, you do. You got it. All right, you're in. I see. But then, after one of those specialized skates, right, the guy would get on the microphone. He'd say, all right, it's an all skate now. And we'd all kind of come from the, the comfort and safety of the carpet back onto the slippery floor. And it was like a mob just hitting the floor. Well, this story is kind of the same way. Everybody, almost everybody, I think, this is an all-skate passage of Scripture. So when we read and listen to or even sing a portion of the Scripture, we have an instant identification with some aspect of our lives, even in the immediate or instant moment we're in. So it says, immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead, of the other, go ahead of him on the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had d- dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was alone, and the boat was already considerable distant from land, buffeted by the wi- waves because the wind was against it. Now, prior to this passage of Scripture, as we've been traveling through Matthew, we realize and recognize that, that Jesus' cousin was beheaded by Herod due to, we don't need to get into that. You can go back in that. That was just kind of a yucky situation, altogether yucky, right? But it was, it was, he was beheaded. And in that moment, he was already headed to the other side of the sea. He wanted some solitary moments, just like what we would want if we heard that somebody that we loved passed away. And not only that, we recognize that Jesus knew what was coming for himself. So not only was there the consideration of what happened to Jesus, but this foreshadowing that was happening to him too. It was coming. And he wanted time. But when they got to the other side 
of the sea or the, where they were going. They stepped out, and who did they see? A crowd of people. And Jesus being Jesus, not me, he said, we need to have compassion on them and began to minister to them in the exhaustion of his grief. Some of you can identify. I believe you can. And so, again, after they get done ministering to these people who came to see the kingdom and to have the kingdom experience, meaning healings, the teaching, and to just see Jesus himself, they set off again. And he sends them, the disciples, on their way by themselves, and he, as we've read, goes up and prays. So the storm is, is against them, and they're attempting to get back to the shore. I don't know how many of you have been in a boat in a storm, and then in the dark of night, and then in the, a boat in the storm in the dark of night, and you've been, after you've been giving yourself away, I mean, just completely drained. Uh, maybe you can. Maybe it's been a few years, but those, those moments of seemingly endless kid care with early mornings, late nights, and sporadic uh, interruptions in between, or maybe you're helping others in that mode of life. Maybe you have had a job that has had way too many 12s, uh, I mean 12-hour workdays, one right after another, and you can't remember when you started nor when it's going to end. Uh, maybe you've had a loss that was preceded by a waiting and a watching. Then all the necessary and seemingly in the moment unnecessary things that have to follow almost on the instantaneous loss, right? I mean, it's just a hard thing to bear. Or you're, you're in college or high school. You have been there, and you've been in the slog, and you've been riding and taking finals. And then in the midst of it, this happened to one of our daughters, she gets sick. I mean, maybe we've not been in a boat in the dark, slogging against the wind. But we've been in similar places, and we're tired. We're exhausted. We're wondering when there is a break right? We've been at the edge thinking all we can give is what we have in the moment and we're not even sure that that's all we have. But the Lord, the Lord saw them from afar and he sees you and knows you. If you're in one of those places and spaces, and I don't think all of us, I hope not all of us are there, but if you're in one of those places, let me just promise you, let me just tell you, the Lord sees you right now and he is attentive to you. Verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, <laughs> they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. Now we have to admit, I think, it would be just a bit strange to be in a storm late at night you're rowing against the wind, and you look up, and you see somebody walking towards you on the water, right? I mean, that's just kind of strange. Uh, they would have been familiar with stories uh, around the Sea of Galilee and what the storms produced, 
and the stories that would be told in the marina as they were having their espresso together. Okay, they didn't do that. I'm just, okay. You get the idea. They would have heard the stories of these, seriously, there were stories of those who had perished, and some believed, hopefully they didn't, but they could be giving themselves to this, a little bit on the edge of the fringe of their emotions and mental ability of those who had died and perished, who had come back and visit those who are passing along the sea, right? Whatever the equation, Matthew tells us, whatever went into it, they cried out in fear, just as we would too. Or, okay, I would. (laughs) I mean, come on, it's strange. But this is the question for today. This really is the question. Is that the response that Jesus wants from those who follow him? I think there's a challenge in here for all of us who say, I follow Jesus, and yet I'm prone to fear, I'm prone to anxiety, I'm prone to worry, because there are too many places in Scripture, and this is one of those where Jesus says, nah, not for my kingdom, kids, this isn't part of the part that I give to you. You keep it, but I want something different for you. I mean, listen to the words we've we heard. Hear them again. They reverberate over the sea and to this day. Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He said this with immediacy, Matthew writes. The same immediacy that he told them to get into the boat. He said, get into the boat. This was not an option for them. So I'm like, get into it. And then he says, take courage. That's not a scolding though. It's a reminder. It's an ushering of, hey, I'm right here. I'm always with you. Fear, anxiety, and worry is where we find ourselves way too often as kingdom kids, if you're a follower of Jesus. It rests behind Anger, passivity, rage, frenetic activity, silence even, depression, physical illness, sadness, experiences that we want to have to cover up the fear, and, and the things we buy to cover up the fear. I mean, all of these things are those things that tend to, to mask what is really going on inside of us if we're not in tune with what the Spirit is doing in us. So we come to this place often in our fallen state that we're way too easily put in the cauldron of the culture and we invite into ourselves the fear, the anxiety, and the worry that is conjured up in different places. It's, it's a force that has to be reckoned with. And when there's no discernible margin in your lives to discern when it's coming or where it could come from, We're prone to it all too often. And Jesus, our King, our Lord, our Savior, calls us to a worry-free existence, an anxiety-free existence. I mean, Matthew 6.25, this is just one verse. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. You can go read the rest of the passage, but he is ushering those that when you come into the kingdom, you have this opportunity. It is yours for the taking. 
to live a courageous, a, a fearless life. Not a, yeah. I mean, it's been said that there are 365 fear not verses in the Bible. 365, one for, other pastors have said this, I'll say what they've said, one for every day of your life in, in the year. I've not counted them, so I don't know if it's true. But even if half of them are true, right? Our Father desires for us to live and walk in this life as we love and obey Him without worry, without fear, without anxiety. He is our King. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. So how does Jesus Jesus walk the disciples from the fear? How does He do this? Check this out. Now, I know this is where it gets a little precarious for those of us who are like, well, I don't know if I like this or not. What's he say? Pete says to him, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come to you on the water. I mean, think about this. He's in the midst of being terrified, and Jesus has told him, it is I. Peter is taking him at his word. It is me. And so he says, I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to take it as you have told it. I'm going to live it as you have said it. Can you imagine even doing that? Like when he says, don't fear that you have that option, that that is yours to take. Don't be anxious. Don't be worrying about things. The table is this morning, literally set before you as somebody who, who gave us the example of the life that we can live. Verse 29 says, Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand again and caught him. You of little faith. He said, why did you doubt? So Jesus calls to us. I mean, he called to Peter, come, come to the, come on the water. And I believe the invitation is for us too. The invitation has come in the mail. It's ours on the refrigerator, right? I mean, in figurative sense, or maybe in yours, literal, I don't know. Suppose it depends on who Jesus is to you though, right? I mean, that's, that's the crux of it. That's where we're at, each one of us. Who is Jesus? Could think that he's just a good teacher. He's got good stories, some good things to live by. But is he really king? Is he really creator? Is he really commander of all that we see? But maybe you could call him Lord, just like Peter. So the... So the question, will you walk with him to vanquish the fear within? Because I believe that that's a little bit what was transpiring. See, God is gracious and he's wonderful to us. Even in Peter's sinking, right? He told the disciples before he left them, I will be with you some of the time. Oh, no, somebody said always. That's right, he'll be with us always, always. Jesus reaches out his hand. And lifts him up out of the water. 
again, the question becomes, who is Jesus? And who is he to you? Who is he to me? In the midst of the storm, the creator is there. Jesus chides Peter just a little bit, right? You of little faith. I I don't know about you, but this doesn't seem of like little faith to me. Walking on water? Have you ever done it? And we, my mom and dad had a pool when we were growing up. And so we'd get running off the diving board and see how far we could make it, if we could make it to the shallow end, right? About second step in, it's no use. I mean, I was down, right? I don't think anybody could make it any farther. You could jump farther than I could run on the water. I mean, it's just not there. I mean, water skiing, okay, some of you, I've done that. Yeah, so have I, right? But there's, there's a sinking reality when you start walking on water, right? <laughs> Yet the question should make us ponder. As it may have Peter, though, why did you doubt? Why do you doubt? What interrupts the, the trust and faith in our walk? I mean, do we pause long enough to go, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't trust. That, yes, we need to do that. I I doubted whether you could do this, but do we take a long enough look inside to go, why, why is this not, why is this not working? Why did it stop in this moment? What stopped it? What thought entered my mind? What doubt entered my heart? What voices am I listening to around me? Verse 32, when they climbed out, climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. You might say the same thing, right? The wind is buffeting the boat, and you've just seen a miracle before you. They hop in the boat, and they worship him, rightly so, in awe. Jesus, in his in his goodness to us, will always use the events of our life to restore us to his original design, his original design within us. The garden was a place of deep intimacy with with God prior to the fall. He's our creator. Our, Our living truly is dependent upon the level of trust and faith we have on Jesus, in Jesus. We need to give ourselves to the Spirit's movement in our lives as we live out the word in the midst of our faith community. When they crossed over, they landed at the Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all surrounding the country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak and all who touched it were healed. So they sailed to the Gennesaret. The king and his inbreaking kingdom continues to roll over the top of these people. Faith and trust is palatable in that place. I mean, there's to say, let me just touch the edge of your cloak. And the sick are healed, and the robust faith and trust. I think this morning he is saying, Take courage, it is I. 
few years ago, when my daughter was, uh, my oldest daughter was about 12 to 14 years old, we had taken a, a camping trip to East Harbor State Park, and we took our kayaks with us, and my mom and dad were with us, and they took the, the younger kids, uh, all, of the, all of the kids, actually, to the beach, and we said, well, we'll go through the marina and out on Lake Erie, and we'll meet you at the beach. And so Kathy and I paddled um, quite easily out to the beach and, you know, enjoyed, uh, enjoyed the paddle. And on the way back, after everybody was, uh, you know, tired and wanted to eat something, you know, uh, my mom and dad headed back. And in that process of separating, I said, all right, who wants to paddle back with dad? And my oldest said, I will. I'm like, all right, let's go. You know, we got, we got some, uh, a few paddles to put in the water before we get home or get back to the merino. But what I didn't realize, shielded by the, uh, the trees that broke the wind, was we were going to turn into a pretty significant and stiff headwind um, as we turned into the inlet to the marina and passing all these boats and everything. And I remember turning, turning in and like, oh, this is, this is tough. And it's not that far, but when things get tough, it looks long and it looks almost impossible. So she being, uh, you know, 12, 14 years old, I can't really remember. She being that age, we turned and, and she, she, she worked diligently. And it, through tears <laughs> and a lot of encouragement, I'm like, Beck, you got to, there's no other way. I mean, we got to make it back to the marina. And she paddled as hard as she could. I, I, kudos to her at that age. I mean, it was tough headwinds. I mean, you know, I, I don't know how fast they were or what the wind knots were, but it was, it was tough sailing. And I, 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 was, I was so encouraged. I think as our father's encouraged by the fact that she would, she would, believe me I mean she knew that it was true she would believe me in every paddle stroke that she felt like she was going backward because it did feel that way in a few few moments she kept going and we made it all the way there buffeted by the wind and yet she chose to trust and not give up she chose to courage over the pain in the moment I think Jesus calls us in this moment as he calls Peter out of the water, I think he is calling us to do the very same. Take courage. It is I. But the question becomes for all of us, though, who, 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 who is the I to you? Who is Jesus to you? You see, where fear runs the sh show, love is suppressed. We're reminded in scripture that there is no fear in love there's no fear in love and jesus ushers us into uh, the presence of our holy father who is love complete and pure and unadulterated and wishes to give us the same love that then dispenses the courage that he is speaking to the disciple in that moment take courage the disciples in that moment take courage it is i the question is, how do we work through fear 
the fear that we do feel because we all have fear, we all have worries, we all have anxieties. And how do we work through that to take Jesus at his word to take courage? To, to know that we do not have to fear. The first one is this, time with Jesus. You can't have it without time with Jesus. He does not just give you a magic pill where you take it and all is good and all is right and all is perfect. But you have to spend time with Jesus. And so, how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, Scripture is filled with these pictures of God going for walks with those that he calls his own. All over. Whether it's in Genesis 1 or 1 and 2 where he's with Adam and Eve or with Abraham or with Moses and Elijah. And how about the disciples? All of these illustrations where he's walking with them, he's demonstrating to them, he's showing them, and they are growing in their intimacy with him. John 15 reminds us that that the intimacy that Jesus desires with us is what grows the fruit, grows the courage, if you will, and the relationship that we can have with him. And he desires that intimacy with us. So unlike GNC or QVC or whatever, or whatever clickbait you see that says, here, if you take this pill, there will be a an easy way to get rid of, help with, or get over. Jesus says, spend time with me. It's no different than the time that we spend with our, our, our spouses. We grow in love and appreciation and understanding or with our kids or in relationship with our fellow, uh, fellow community of faith. He asks us to go for a walk with him. And we have, a, have, we have this invitation to walk. And it may not always be walking on water. But he asks us to get out of the boat and walk with him. Let's pray. Father, I...